0: Visit carp.ca.
2: Good afternoon and welcome to the Zoomer Week in Review, all things Zoomer Worldwide. I'm Libby Zneimer. Gender equality remains an issue on the jobs front and perhaps nowhere more obvious than in the world of entertainment. Award-winning filmmaker April Mullen will join us in studio and... The provincial Liberals promised free shingles vaccination shots when the budget was released, but that was six months ago and they're still not available. We'll talk with PC health critic Jeff Urich. But first, here are your Zoomer headlines from around the world. The Ontario Securities Commission has struck a new committee to protect older investors from unfair, improper, or fraudulent practices. And one of the 15 members of the Seniors' Expert Advisory Committee is CARP's VP of Advocacy, Wanda Morris. Morris and the others will advise the OSC on securities-related policy, and they'll also provide input on the OSC's related education and outreach activities. World War II pilot Elaine Harmon will finally be laid to rest at Arlington National Cemetery. During the war, Harmon was one of the Women Air Service Pilots, or WASPs, who took on non combat missions to free up male pilots for combat. The WASPs were not even granted veteran status until 1977. And last year, worried about limited space at Arlington, Officials said the female pilots no longer qualified to be buried or have their ashes laid there. When Harmon died last year at the age of 95, her family lobbied U.S. President Barack Obama, who then signed legislation to again allow wasps at Arlington. More than 1,000 American women served as pilots in World War II. It's believed less than 100 are still alive today. Two prominent Canadian Zoomers are playing a part in creating content for what's being billed as the world's first 3D book. Retired Canadian astronaut Chris Hadfield and former B.C. Lieutenant Governor and Man in Motion Rick Hansen are named as contributors to Genius, 100 Visions of the Future, which is due out next year. Genius will feature the thoughts of 100 leading minds sharing nuggets of wisdom and thoughts on the future. The project is a global initiative put forward by the Albert Einstein Foundation and conceived by the Canadian friends of the Hebrew University of Jerusalem in commemoration of the 100th anniversary of Einstein's theory of relativity. An asteroid in the orbit of Jupiter has been named after Freddie Mercury, the frontman for the iconic rock band Queen, who died in 1991, the year the asteroid was discovered. The International Astronomical Union's Minor Planet Center has designated the asteroid as Asteroid 17473 Freddie Mercury. Queen's longtime guitarist Brian May, who has a doctorate in astrophysics from Imperial College London, says it's just a dot of light, but it's a very special dot of light and recognizes Mercury's musical and performing talents. I'm Libby Snymer, and those are your Zoomer headlines from around the world. You come to girl
3: parties often? I don't come at all. Can I change that for you?
4: Just got to the hotel. I want to get married in the garden.
0: At the old mill. You didn't say goodbye last night. One drink.
2: Take me somewhere. That's a trailer from the film Below Her Mouth, premiering at the Toronto International Film Festival. It's a rarity, a film directed by a woman and shot by an all-female crew. Director April Mullen is one of 12 Canadian women being honoured at the Burke's Diamond Tribute to Women in Film. She dropped by our studios to talk about it. April Mullen, thanks for joining us and congratulations on your award. Thank you so much. Why is it important
4: to recognize women specifically with an award like this? It's very male-dominated, and it's been that way for a very long time. So I think if we celebrate the women that are successful and make sure that people become more aware of that, that starts at least a ground movement and a groundswell positivity around it. And hopefully the awareness brings to light that it is very, you know, the percentages are really extreme. Your crew is an all-female crew for your latest feature, right? Mm-hmm. Phenomenal. Top to bottom, below her mouth, has an all-female crew, including grips, elect, all key positions, production designer, editor, score, everything. And it created such an amazing vibe. And the outcome is something spectacular because we really found that the perspective of falling in lust and in love was true to a woman's point of view. And that's what we were aiming for from the very beginning. Uh, Do you think that making such a point of doing that can be counterproductive
2: where the men will say, oh, it's...
4: Who knows? But I do know for this film it was necessary because that was our goal from the beginning was to give audiences a look into sex and what turns people on from the eyes of a woman. So for that to come through and to be really genuine, top to bottom, we hired an all-female crew. So for this film particularly, it really worked well. Uh, Back to the importance of getting
2: women behind the camera, what do you think the main impediments are still?
4: I believe it's coming fresh out of school. It's very difficult when you, when you begin in the entertainment industry, it is oversaturated and there's a ton of, there's a Ton a ton of competition. So to start from the bottom and slowly work your way up, you could spend you know fifteen to twenty years starting as a PA, going into locations, going into pming, and then producing. And it's a very long, um, difficult road to finally end up in a leadership or a key position. So I feel that when you're graduating or coming out of film school, it's crucial to make a decision what you want to do, what your focus is, what your end game is. And really, I would say, if you can't get there, start there right away. You know, even if it's a short feature film, and you've decided I'm going to direct this short, but I'll PA and learn on other big TV shows that are coming in from Hollywood and that are shooting in Toronto. This year, there's a a
2: milestone at TIFF. Uh, 30% of the films are directed by women.
4: How important is that? It is nice to hear the percentage going up, definitely. And I think it's important that We recognize that, and hopefully in years to come, there won't be any comparison. I feel like, you know, hopefully it'll just be the greatest filmmakers in the world are here, and it's, you know, equal, and it just happens to be equal, and uh, it's strange that gender is such a hot-button topic right now, but I think it's important for where we are in terms of the industry. And do you think it's changing the way women are portrayed in front of the camera? Gosh, that is a very interesting question. I heard. I, I really do hope so. I feel that if we start with a female writer, then the lead characters or the female characters are, you know, full of depth and originality and uniqueness. And we see them as our heroes rather than, you know, the date that somebody falls in love with or the one that they're running after. It's nice to see uh, new, stronger lead female roles coming to the screen. And it's happening. It's happening slowly. I see it when, you know, there's definitely films out there now that feature women in very leading roles and it's it's very refreshing. What about the
2: age thing? We all hear that women, you know, in their 30s, they're old
4: Mm. in Hollywood. It's true. And men seem to age better. I guess that's what they say. I would say that women with experience and memories and laugh lines and you know they bring that to the screen i find that a lot more exciting as a director to watch and to look at and to you know they draw upon so much more and bring so much more to a role so we'll see what happens it's a, that's a worldwide universal you know problem with youth and 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 trying to capture something that is fading it's always fading so it's it's a strange phenomenon that we're obsessed with remaining young and and especially the pressure for women it really isn't fair hopefully the best talents and and the strongest roles. And, you know, that is what we focus on in the future as a society. Is that a big issue for you, ageism, uh, especially
2: when it comes to women? And are you trying to do anything to remedy that in your own work?
4: Definitely. We have had several feature films focus on women, and they've been mature in age. And they were leads who are very strong, dominating and, you know, going around killing people or, you know, falling in love madly. But I aim to definitely keep that in mind and keep the roles for a broad range of ages, especially for women, and and keep them very interesting and keep the roles refreshing with a lot of depth. And that will definitely be something I I will always focus on in my career to make sure to stay strong to the female voice, whatever age we are. Okay. April Mm -hmm. Mullen, thanks. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Bye.
2: April Mullen is a director and is being honored at the Burke's Diamond Tribute to Women in Film. I'm Libby Zneimer, and this is the Zoomer Week in Review. When we return, back in February, the provincial liberals promised they would pay for the shingles vaccine, at least for some Zoomers, but they haven't yet. We'll talk to the PC healthcare critic about it in a moment.
0: You're listening to the Zoomer Week in Review, brought to you by CARP. A new vision of aging. Support CARP with your membership today. Visit carp.ca.
2: Welcome back to the Zoomer Weekend Review. I'm Libby Snymer. It was a promise that many Zoomers were excited about. In February's budget, the provincial Liberals promised they would pay for the shingles vaccine for adults 65 to 70 years old. The shot is expensive in the $200 range, but here we are six months later, and it's still a promise that has gone unfulfilled. PC Healthcare critic Jeff Urich joins me. The government in the last budget announced with great fanfare that it would be covering shingles vaccines for people aged 65 to 70. That was six months ago. It hasn't happened yet.
3: Yeah, we're, we're still waiting. Uh, last May, I asked uh, the minister in front of committee of when this will come to fruition, as uh, it, was, uh, it was a large announcement. and Many people were quite uh, grateful to hear about the coverage. And he said sometime in the fall, uh, we reached out to the minister's office last week and uh, the response from them was it's coming soon it's been six months it was quite an announcement and we still have no action coming from this government and it's disappointing
2: what kind of uh, response are you getting from your constituents
3: well right now it's gone from uh, being joyful and and thankful that they're being able to access this vaccination to frustration that they're still having to wait uh, until the coverage period begins because uh, people are turning 71 and therefore will not be eligible, so they're missing out on this window of opportunity they have to have this medication covered.
2: And uh, what's uh, the volume of requests for this like? Are a lot of people interested in getting this?
3: Well, certainly. uh, It's uh, quite... uh, large volume coming through my office, and I'm sure throughout the province, I mean, the repercussions of having shingles, the pain that can uh, carry on for years afterwards, people want to ensure that they can prevent that from happening. And this vaccination gives them a, a little bit of ray of hope in order to uh, prevent the complications if, if, in fact, they do uh, come down with shingles. Right.
2: Or it prevents shingles, mm-hmm. but it's expensive.
3: It's very expensive. It's about $170 or more a shot, and that's quite a bit uh, to come out of someone's uh, bank account when uh, having to deal with other uh, issues in their lives, uh, living expenses, uh, bills uh, to pay, saving the person uh, $170 plus, uh, that that means a lot.
2: Do you know what the reason is for this delay?
3: You know, I've, I've asked about that uh, couple of times uh, with the minister. I don't understand why Um, it's not a a difficult process to add vaccination or medication onto the drug uh, benefit formulary for coverage. I'm concerned that maybe they didn't budget the correct amount of money to cover this and they're trying to drag it out later into the year so that they're able to come in on their budget at the end of the year.
2: Do you know how much the program is supposed to cost?
3: Uh, I'm thinking it's $17 million they've budgeted for this uh, one particular uh, vaccination.
2: Okay, uh, $17 million is sometimes chump change for the things this government spends on.
3: Oh, yeah, yeah, I understand that. Uh, but you know, we're seeing throughout the healthcare system as a whole uh, rationing uh, going on. Uh, my area of the province, you can't get a hip or knee replacement surgery in January, February, March, because they run out of funds. So the money is uh, may seem like a small amount, but I imagine there's, it's, it's just a small amount because there's not a lot of money to go around.
2: Mm -hmm. Uh, Is there anything you're telling your constituents to do to try to move this along?
3: Well, the best thing you can do is uh, contact your local MPP, which they are for me, and uh, contact the Ministry of Health uh, and let them know your frustration. And uh, in turn, I'm sure the local MPPs in the area will also be contacting the minister to share their constituents' frustration. But uh, uh, we need to continue to be vocal on this issue.
2: Okay. uh, In the meantime, uh, we are going to hear a throne speech. Uh, On Monday, are you looking for anything else for Zoomers, for people in the demographic?
3: Well, I mean, definitely I want to see a commitment uh, uh, to improving the access to services in our health care system. We've seen a rationing going on. I'd love to see a resolution, uh, a goal to uh, fix the situation with our doctors, and definitely the government needs to start dealing with uh, energy rates. They've been a problem for years, and uh, it's about time they start to tackle that issue.
2: Okay. Jeff Urich, thank you so much. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. That's PC Healthcare critic and MPP for Elgin Middlesex London, Jeff Yorick. I'm Libby Naimer and you're listening to the Zoomer Weekend Review. Coming up we'll take a look at the life of the King of Soul, Otis Redding, when the Zoomer Weekend Review
0: returns. You're listening to the Zoomer Weekend Review, brought to you by CARP, a new vision of aging. Support CARP with your membership today. Visit carp.ca.
2: Welcome back to the Zoomer Weekend Review, all things Zoomer worldwide. It's time for your International Arts date book. Tips for those of you who are jetting around the world. Here's Jane Brown.
1: It's been 15 years since the 9-11 terror attacks in New York City, which began September 11, 2001, at 8.46 a.m. To commemorate the occasion, paintings, sculptures, video, and other media will form an exhibition at the 9-11 Memorial Museum called Rendering the Unthinkable. In London, Totally Thames 2016 features 150 events which bring London's river to life throughout the month of September with arts, cultural, archaeological, and river events. Cellist Yo-Yo Ma kicks off the Hong Kong Philharmonic season with a performance of Vorjak's Silent Woods. Also on the program is Bizet's 1855 Symphony in C. And Russia's only international contemporary art fair is in Moscow. 34 international and Russian art galleries are presenting works by more than 130 contemporary artists. I'm Jane Brown, and that's the International Arts statebook. This week, the great soul singer Otis
2: Redding would have celebrated his 75th birthday. Sadly, his life ended when he was just 26 years old in a horrible accident. On December tenth, 1967, his Beechcraft tour plane got caught in heavy rain and fog, and shortly after the pilot radioed for an emergency landing, it crashed into Lake Monona, Wisconsin. During his short career, Otis's big voice made him a legend. It helped define the soul sound of the 1960s, and he inspired so many singers that came after him that he has earned the nickname the King of Soul. Otis Redding had huge hits with songs like Respect and Try a Little Tenderness, but his most popular song was recorded... Just three days before the tragic plane crash that claimed his life, it would go on to be the first posthumously released single to reach the top of the Billboard charts. Here it is Sitting on the Dock of the Bay. The great Otis Redding with Sitting on the Dock of the Bay. This week he would have celebrated his 75th birthday. That brings us to the end of another edition of the Zoomer Week in Review. I'm Livese Neimer. Thanks for joining me today. Be sure to come back next week when we talk to Governor General David Johnston about his new book.
0: You've been listening to the Zoomer Week in Review. Produced by MZ Media Limited. Executive producer Moses Neimer. Produced by Dave Woodard and Paul Thomas.